You're listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha G. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else who wants to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. Hi. Hey, guys. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Any newcomers out there, welcome. We're glad to have you. So today we want to talk about self-care, which is one of those buzzwords right now, right? Everybody's talking about self-care. So self-care, if you are unfamiliar with the term, is basically the things that you are doing for yourself. So you are doing them for yourself. Uh, There is an article on Psych Central that defines self-care as any activity that we do deliberately to take care of our mental, emotional, and physical health, Um, which is a really good definition. I think that pretty much covers it. There's also uh, an article called Development of a Self-Care Assessment for Psychologists that defines self-care as a multidimensional, multifaceted process of purposeful engagement and strategies that promote healthy functioning and enhance well-being. Um, That one is a little bit more wordy and kind of more complex, but I think it's a really good definition because part of the issue is the oversimplification of self-care, right? Right. I think, you know, it's it's not a, it is, but it's not a simple issue. And the other thing too, that I like about these definitions is they include the fact that it has to be intentional. One said purposeful, one said deliberate. Yes. You don't just accidentally take right. vitamins for yourself, right? You <laughs> right. have to choose to do that. <laughs> and the same with right. self-care, whatever form you have to make the choice to do it. Um, Another thing to remember with self-care is that it's not just a single act. You don't just go for a walk and mm-hmm. think, okay, great. I'm cured. I'm cared for. Everything's fine. <laughs> you're going to have right. to keep doing things. You're going to have to do a lot of different things because your needs change. Right. It's yeah. ongoing. Um, you know, you think about, or at least I do, I think about toothpaste, right? When you're a little kid, you're using toothpaste that's, you know, maybe extra sensitive or doesn't have a lot of medicinal purposes but then as you get older maybe you got plaque for a little while so you get a a toothpaste that helps with that or you have something coming up so you get a whitening toothpaste Um, and so you use that for Mm -hmm. a little bit and then you maybe you have gum disease you get something for sensitive gums you know your needs in that way are changing and you're getting different toothpaste for whatever's going on your self-care uh, strategies and needs are going to change as well. You're going to have times where you are struggling with um, grief. So how do you care for yourself in the midst of grief? You're going to have times where you're physically mm-hmm. ill. You know, maybe you have um, an autoimmune disorder. Well, how do you care for yourself while taking care of your, you know, how do all of these things interact with each other? Right, Michelle, that was a really good analogy. Um, and like you said, you know, your needs do change. And the hope is that you adjust yourself care appropriately right and it also talks about it being multifaceted and I think that that's a big deal too that's a a part that people leave out a lot you know not only that they're only doing something one time but also there are so many parts that you know of your self-care right so some of the uh, different facets of self-care we are going to talk about today come from an article 
from habitsforwellbeing.com. Um, so those are physical, psychological, emotional, social, financial, spiritual, environmental, and professional. And I think for me, one of the biggest areas I've had to really learn to, you know, care for myself more intentionally would probably be, I would say the spiritual and the psychological. You know, I've mentioned in, I don't know, past episode um, about having OCD and how I've dealt with that. And one of the things for me is knowing symptoms of when it's about to get worse, kind of spike up a little bit, um, different, you know, obsessive tendencies that happen and how I'm after having it for a while, I've caught on um, to things that um, trigger that or things I do kind of right before it gets worse. Um, So learning how to pay attention, which is a big thing and and just Mm -hmm. knowing yourself and paying attention to yourself. And then how for me, that does have a a really deep spiritual tie. I kind of notice, you know, in myself, if I'm not intentional in my faith or my spiritual practices, my psychological self struggles a lot. And so just kind of paying attention to some things that have a bigger tie. I mean, if you are extremely extroverted, paying attention to that social aspect, um, because that, again, is going to hit your psychological or your emotional aspect differently for than, than maybe it would with some people. So ideally, based off these definitions, self-care is multifaceted. And these facets um, that we're going to be talking about today came from the article from Habits for Wellbeing. Uh, so... The facets are physical, psychological, emotional, social, financial, spiritual, environmental, and professional. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into each one of those sections one by one so we can kind of talk about what they mean and some ways to practice them. And so while we're talking about these, it's important to note that this information is as much for professionals as it is for non-professionals. It's for clinicians and our clients. We have to be able to practice what we preach. You know, we have to be able to take care of ourselves and that allows us to help other people right right? also self-care because of all the buzz it's kind of a touchy topic and there is a lot of misinformation that gets passed around and for me I feel like part of the issue is that we have a microwave society right we want everything quick and we want people to be able to tell us the answers but that's not what self-care is right and it it really doesn't matter what people give you you have to be willing to take the time to know yourself self-care starts and ends with you absolutely you have the answers for your self-care and that's the most important part the most important part of your self-care is getting to know yourself and not trying to use other people's tricks right that's you can't take the easy way out sometimes something might work for you if Michelle tells me something I might be able to try and it may be a success but I can't go to her and get all of my answers (laughs) right (laughs) right um so the first facet that we talked about was physical and basically physical um self-care is simply getting to know your body right figure out how much sleep you need what makes you feel the most rested for me I need six hours of sleep. If I get more than six hours, I feel disgusting. I feel like 
tired and I have a headache and if I have less, I feel like what just happened, right? <laughs> right? My my body is like, wait a minute, that was not sleep. I also had a professor who said that he worked better on four hours of sleep um, and he knew that that was an issue. You know, he said that he tried to use like sleeping medication and um, he tried different things to help him sleep longer because he thought that, you know, it was a problem. But after the medication, it made him feel worse. And so he just decided that he just functions better with four hours. I mean, power time because I can't do it. (laughs) Um, Also for physical self-care, figure out what kind of physical activity you need. You know, do you like working out in the gym? Do you like to work out at home by yourself? Would you rather practice recreational activities? You know, what kind of thing works for your body? Also, your diet is a big deal. That's part of your self-care too. Figuring out what kind of foods make your body feel the best. Also, are you stretching enough? I had a physical therapist tell me that that most people don't stretch enough. So I thought that was interesting too. And it, it makes your body feel different. I'm totally yeah. in the camp of people who don't stretch enough. I don't. <laughs> I me too. I forget that's a thing. Right. <laughs> That's why I thought it was funny to mention it because I like I heard his voice saying that to me. <laughs> and I just I was like, yeah, that's probably a common thing. Um pr- practicing preventative care. Yes. That's a good one, you know, having a healthcare provider who you trust, you know, go to your doctor, tell them what's going on with you. Try to pay attention to your body and notice when something is off so that you can deal with things ahead of time, right? Absolutely. I mean, and this takes time. Like, you have to spend time doing this. You have to spend time being alert. A four-year-old is not going to just know everything about their needs and their body because, one, they're four, but (laughs) they haven't had a lot of time with that yet. I mean, as you get older, you have time to pay attention. Uh, so we have to start utilizing that as early as we can so we can know what what's happening instead of catching things, you know, too late. I love that you mentioned preventative care. Be on the lookout right. to do things before they, you know, become a train wreck. Right. Um, so the next facet is psychological. And basically what that is, is paying attention to yourself, right? right? And it can be even as simple as noticing if your taste buds change, right? Maybe you hated cereal when you were seven, but now as a 30-year-old, you love it. You know, I say that, I know that sounds silly, but the reason I say that is because sometimes we get trapped into being what other people want us to be. Yes. You know, um, sometimes you you have a parent who says, oh, well, I know you never like no cereal, so I ain't gonna buy it for you, <laughs> you know? I, but, you know... You have to give yourself room to change even if other people don't. Um, And so that was the point of of that example. Uh, (laughs) um, But also, you know, learn how to communicate with yourself. Learn how you like to be loved. You know, I don't know how familiar people are with the love languages, but I think that that is truly an important part of self-care. Absolutely. I not that I'm not going to be one of those people who says that test changed my life. It It's not that, <laughs> but goodness, did it really open my eyes to a lot of things about right. how I love and, you know, receive love and feel loved and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then even in relationships, I mean, even knowing how someone else, how it looks for them um, to feel loved and accept that, that helps you. 
I mean, if you feel good knowing that you are giving someone the love that they actually can accept or Mm -hmm. accept well, you're going to feel better. You're not going to be under that stress all the time. That's part of it. Like you have to know these things about yourself. Right. Another way to practice your psychological self-care is teaching yourself a new skill, mm-hmm. right? Or even finding somebody else who can teach you, but taking the time to learn that new skill because part of your psychological self-care is learning, right? Practice mindfulness, yes. specifically when you're alone. Practice mindfulness. Be in the moment. Um, so for people who are not familiar with what mindfulness is, Basically, it's about being present, being in the moment. That's the quick, short, simple, oversimplified version. That is not the whole story, but it's, I love it. It's a great intervention. Absolutely. Also, when you practice mindfulness, or even if you're just spending time alone, be comfortable with that. You know, see where your mind takes you. It can also help you figure out what's really important Absolutely. to you. You know, if you're always, if your mind is always going to one certain place, that's probably a big deal to you. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. Take the time to get involved in that. Also, you can figure out what your values are and why right. those are your values. Right. You know, specifically with your values, we tend to take that from other people, um, you know, because that kind of grows up with you. So you take that on from where you came from, who was in your life. And you may not always agree with those things. You know, they talk about, I'm saying they, but, you know, we hear about, (laughs) we hear about millennials and Gen Z and how we are a new kind of people where (laughs) we, it's just self, self, self. But I don't think that's really true. I think, it's just that we recognize that it's okay for us to have different values. You know, you have to figure that out for yourself. And in doing that, I think you kind of mentioned it, you're going to find how you've grown or how you're growing. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Don't be afraid to, to witness growth. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The next one on the list is emotional. Seeing how you express your emotions, first of all, and then seeing if it's in a healthy way. Um, right. And are you comfortable with all the ways um, that you express them? Or are you comfortable with all of your emotions in general? Right. You know, the movie Inside Out. I love that. I love that movie first, but I love how they really did right. bring a good emphasis on that it's okay to be sad or to have sadness as a part of your right. life. If that's all you ever are, let's talk. Let's have a chat. Right, right. <laughs> but it's not a bad thing to have in your toolbox. Right. Michelle, you were with me when I had a group of of Mm -hmm. kids where we had to learn about emotions. And um, we talked about those in a manner of pleasant and unpleasant emotions, not good and bad emotions. And that was that was very intentional because, you know, you have all of these emotions for a reason. It's okay to express them all as long as you're expressing them in a healthy way. It's okay to feel them all as long as you're not ripping, you know, damaging property and punching people in the face and and punching people in the face, you know, (laughs) cursing people out, being disrespectful, you know, but because emotions are expressed, that's something that we get from other people too. If other people don't tend to like us when we're angry, then that's something that we try not Mm. to feel, right? We start to think that that's bad and that's not true. We have to be comfortable with our 
emotions, all yes. of them, right? And that's why that's a part of your self-care. Absolutely. Um, also, try to figure out if you're reflecting enough, reflecting on your behavior, reflecting on, on your choices, on your emotions and how you're communicating with them. Um, one thing that I feel is really important to say is that it's important to understand that evaluation is not the same as negative Amen. self-talk. And I feel like people get that confused so often just because you say something that is not positive right. <laughs> does not mean that you are downing yourself, for lack of a better word. You know, you're not saying that you're the worst person who ever existed just because you're admitting I probably shouldn't have stole this. You know, it's very important to evaluate yourself because again, that's how you grow, right? You have to be willing to admit what was wrong. What is an issue? What do you need to right. work on? Just like other people can offer you constructive criticism, you can and should give it to yourself. And on that, I mean, if you don't have any kind of self-awareness or um, feedback on yourself, it's going to affect all of these other facets. I mean, you know, the next right. one is going to be social that we're going to talk about. But, you know, you think about if you never make changes or have room to grow in your life, it's going to affect how you are socially and how other people encounter you because you're going to be all over mm -hmm. the place. It's going to be a whole lot and I'm not going to want to hang out with you. So you have right. to keep these things in check because they're going to play off each other. Right. So the next one is social. <laughs> um, and part of this is, I would say a big part of this is creating healthy boundaries, which is not mm -hmm. easy. Let me just make sure that is said. It is difficult. It is so difficult because a lot of times we're doing this, I don't want to say too late, but we don't start it at four but, years but old. But that's what it is. <laughs> we started right. at like that's 29 and we're late. like, oh, now, you know, I should probably work on that relationship that right. I've had for 29 years. Right. And this, that's another one that comes from other people mm -hmm. because just like you have emotions, other people yeah. have them too, right? So people respond to what you give them. And part of creating healthy boundaries makes other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so they tend to push off their emotions on you and say, well, that's mean. And that's, you know, you shouldn't do that. You should let me do whatever it is that I'm doing that's making you uncomfortable. But that's just not true. You know, you having healthy boundaries is healthy for you and for other people but also you have to be able to protect yourself you know protecting your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings and your space you yes. know your physical yes. boundaries all of that is super important it's not mean to another person it truly is healthy Right. Absolutely. And then with your social self-care, make sure you're paying attention to the people mm -hmm. you surround yourself with. Think about if those people accept you. Right. Think about if those people accept your values. And if you're questioning it, if you're, you know, as we're talking and you're thinking about that one person that pops into your mind, really take a minute to reflect on that and, and how you feel with or right. after encounters with that individual. Because it's never too late to start creating healthy boundaries, which is the great right. thing about it. But you do have to take time and reflect on that. Mm -hmm. 
And then also, you know, just like you're receiving things from people, they're receiving things from you. So it's important when you're thinking about your social self-care, are you giving enough to people? You know, are you giving them room to be okay like you want them to give you room to be okay? You know, are you giving too much? Are you giving them all of your right. space and you don't right. have none? That's a problem too. So so it, it really is about balance. That's what healthy boundaries are. It's about right. balance, you know, making sure there's enough on on both sides, enough space for you, but enough space to welcome people in yeah. as well. Don't be afraid, you know, like we talked about a second ago, learning a new skill, join a new group mm-hmm. or start a new group. I mean, right. don't be afraid to do that. Don't think that you're confined to these few people that you've got these maybe super healthy boundaries right. with, you know, allow yourself to really branch out and grow in all of these areas, socially, um, especially Right. Um, one thing about joining groups, I know that one might sound tricky for some right. people, particularly like I would say people like me, like I don't really like a huge social circle. The reason I don't is because that tends to take a lot out of me. Right. Um, I don't really want to go into the whole introvert, extrovert thing, but too much of other people is just it can be emotionally and physically draining for me but that doesn't mean that I can't join groups right. I, I like joining groups I just have to make sure it's an appropriate group for me and that I'm making sure I'm paying attention to myself um, I'm not giving too much of my time I'm not giving too much of my mind to something so that goes into that see how they all connect you know <laughs> joining groups is social but also I'm paying attention to my emotions to my physical well-being to my psychological logical well-being all of that works together so it's not that you can't do it or that you shouldn't do it because of who you are but figuring out how you could do it and if it doesn't work for you then that that's fine too absolutely you know there are other ways to practice social self-care you can keep trying you can try new things and get rid of the things mm-hmm. that don't work absolutely right Um, The next section is financial self-care, and that's about being as knowledgeable about your financial situation as you can. Do you know how much money is coming into your household? Do you know when it's coming in? Do you know when your bills are due? Um, Are you making your payments on time and maintaining positive relationships with collectors? Um, And when I say collectors, I don't mean like necessarily bill collectors or that you're in debt and you got people hunting you down. I don't really mean in that way. I just mean whoever money is due to. It could be as simple as your landlord. Um, And that section, the financial one, It might sound strange being in self-care, but let's be honest, how many people are not overwhelmed with their financial situation, right? Uh (laughs) Well, and you know, you think about things we know already, thank you, science Mm -hmm. um, and statistics, but you know, we know finances are stressful, but we know it's one of the leading causes in things like divorce, marital problems, divorce, all of these things. I don't say they can all be alleviated magically, but if you have an awareness and you have an understanding and working knowledge of Mm -hmm. your financial situation, you can alleviate some of the stress. Some of it, right? right. Obviously, most of it comes from the money. Just because you have (laughs) self-awareness does not mean your debt will go away. No. Okay. Right. But (laughs) 
but you can be more at peace, more understanding, more comfortable with what's going on right. and be more proactive in it. You don't have to let these these waters overwhelm you. Right. And it's a realistic source of Absolutely. stress. You know, things cost money. Mind you, I don't think things should cost as much money Amen. as they do, but that's my own personal battle. But <laughs> And that'll be a future episode. I won't rant about it. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's a significant source of stress. Anything that you want to do is going to cost yeah. money. Yeah. You know, if you want to go on vacation, that's going to cost money. If you don't have a job that offers you vacation time, then not only do you have to pay for the vacation, but you lose money while you're on vacation, <laughs> right? So, you know, it's a significant source of stress. If you want to go out to eat, that costs money. You know, maybe you want to treat a friend to dinner or they want to treat you. Maybe you have trouble accepting things from people if they try to buy you dinner. It is a significant source of stress and that makes sense. But truly just having a certain amount of knowledge for your financial situation really can alleviate some of the stress. Absolutely. So the next one is spiritual, which, you know, again, data science we know that spirituality is important to to many and mo- if not most people right mm-hmm. so figure out kind of what moral code you have are you a religious mm-hmm. person are you completely against religion do you have a right. spiritual community should you find a spiritual community ask yourself some of these questions and and see where you stand maybe it's been a while maybe you've never done it just kind of do some digging on your own spirit but also on the internet oddly enough, see what is out there for you. And remember that spirituality and religion are different. So, you know, maybe church is not comfortable for you, um, but maybe you want to try meditation. You know, music can be an especially satisfying source of spiritual self-care. You know, praying, you might enjoy praying. You might prefer to pray as a group. You might not know how to pray. Personally, I like to write my prayers down, you know. I guess writing too, yeah, right? That's a good can, point. Writing can be pretty spiritual. And then also one of the things that I have particularly enjoyed um, is learning about other religions and spiritualities. I enjoy that a lot. I enjoy learning about it, talking yeah. to people about it. I think that that in and of itself is pretty satisfying uh, spiritually, but it also can help you recognize what it is that you need mm-hmm. for your spiritual self-care. So I encourage people to do that and for me kind of on a personal not kind of it is a personal note you know (laughs) I I've mentioned having OCD and and I've dealt with that for many years and stuff so for me things that tie together really and truly are my spiritual life my spiritual self and OCD so (laughs) knowing you know I've picked up on things that kind of trigger or seasons of life that heighten obsessive thoughts or tendencies And I will tell you, for me, one of the biggest factors in that is where I am spiritually. So maybe I've kind of Mm -hmm. disconnected a little bit from my church um, or practices or prayer life or what have you. And I'm telling you, it changes my psychological standing a lot. So knowing, again, after having that awareness and having practiced this for a long time, I've noticed that when I get back to practicing spiritual steps and faiths for me regularly, that does help my battle with OCD a lot. 
and then again, there are seasons where I don't and I can see the spike. So learn yourself right. for these reasons of just how to check in on the other parts of yourself. You all work together as one being. Right. Didn't we talk yeah. about that in the previous episode? We bring everything you. back today. <laughs> right. <laughs> But that's really cool. And it's wonderful that you're able to see how that connects yeah. for you, you know, because again, how else do you fix it if you're not paying attention to figure yeah. out what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so then there's also environmental self-care, which I think is a really yes. cool facet um, because it's about, you know, your space being clean and organized. And, you know, I mean, think about it, like the saying, um, what is it? A cluttered space equals a cluttered mind or what is it? Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, I messed it up. But (laughs) what you going to do, right? (laughs) But it really does make a difference on how you feel when your spaces are clean and organized. Taking time out to clean your vehicle, you know, treating your clothes right, making sure your clothes are cleaned yeah. and they're hanging up and, you know, thinking of bigger, um, be kind to the planet, you know, recycling when you can, avoiding littering. I mean, even, you know, you mentioned being organized and stuff, thinking about if you have, mm-hmm. if you're in school and you have to study, you know, pull an all-nighter for a test or something. First, check if your body works well with the lack of sleep on that. But, you know, your area around you. For me, I don't sleep well if my area is not well. You know, if I have just things Mm -hmm. thrown all over the room, I'm not going to be able to sleep. That's not happening. So knowing even those small things. That's actually a really common one. Yeah, I mean, even those small things about yourself lead into the bigger. If you can't sleep because your room's messy, then you don't get sleep. You suck the next day. So (laughs) so knowing these small (laughs) things are going to add up in the long run. So your environment is, like you said, even bigger than just your room or your kitchen. It's this world. It's Mm -hmm. where you live. It's where you are. Um, Gravely important. Right. I was talking to a student and she was asking for suggestions because she said she was just feeling depressed and she was upset about her math quiz and she said that she just didn't care and she was upset about everything. And so she asked for suggestions. I was telling her some things that might help her relax was cleaning up her space. Um, an additional suggestion that I gave her because sometimes your space is already clean and you're like, well, what else do I do? You know, (laughs) but one of the things that I suggested to her too was to think about redecorating, you know, sometimes even if it's already clean, sometimes having something visually nice to look at makes a difference. You know, that's why a lot of people have gardens, you know, not only taking care of stuff, but they like to look at them too. You know, that's a really good one. And then the last one we're going to cover is your professional facet of yourself. Your profession should involve living out your purpose. Now, yikes, that is easier said than done in a lot of situations. Um, (laughs) But again, you're going to have to take time to figure that out. You're going to have to do the work to figure out, one, what's your purpose? And then two, are you doing it? Are you able to do it right now? Mm -hmm. For me, uh, professional self-care is where I get out of whack. <laughs> it's a huge part. Um, it really is. But also because I think a significant source of stress is that I'm in a helping profession, mm-hmm. right? And so what comes up way too often for, <laughs> for my personal self-care, my wellness, <laughs> what comes up is often the obstacles that get in the way of us helping. And then the obstacle of 
people thinking that something helps that doesn't, you know, thinking that nice is the same thing as helping, which is not, um, you know, so, so that's why professional is something that throws my self-care out of whack. So one of the things that you can do for your professional self-care is to seek out a career that allows you to fulfill your purpose. But also if you're already in a career and it doesn't feel like it matches with your purpose, it doesn't mean that it Mm, can't, right? There might be ways in your career where you can still fulfill your purpose. So think about that too and try to pay attention to that. And that's where your social well-being comes in because then you will have created healthy boundaries and you'll figure out what kind of people work for you and they help you feel better. And you'll be able to find a mentor in your profession, right, who can help you figure out how to fulfill your purpose. that, that's such a great point. You know, you need to be knowledgeable about your role and your responsibilities. That That's on you. Mm-hmm. Again, with the self-care, this is stuff that's on you. You can do that. You can seek out the knowledge, right. the information, and the responsibilities or other responsibilities that you can have within the role. Like you said, get a mentor. Wow, those right. are helpful. <laughs> Um, Another Mm -hmm. thing, too, is do your best at your job, even if you hate it. You know, maybe you're looking for a job, you're doing your day job while you're looking. Do your best. Don't, I don't know anyone who feels better and is a better person by giving a less than full effort at their job. You know, I don't know anyone who is feels good for being crummy at their job. Right. And that can be a source of stress because it kind of creates a cycle, right? If you're dissatisfied with your career or your job or your profession, and then you stop doing your best, you know, then you ultimately will become more dissatisfied because things are not running the way they're supposed to. But you have to be willing to admit that part of that is because of you, because you're not putting your best foot forward, right? So take time to evaluate that. Also communicate your professional boundaries. One of the things for me, I work with teenagers, but they cannot talk to me on the weekend. Like I just, right now, and sometimes I make exceptions. You know, there have been times when I've had to have family sessions at eight o'clock because I had group therapy and then I had to wait for parents to pick up the students, but parents didn't get off until a certain time. So I'm willing to compromise with clients, but it has to be within my professional set of boundaries. Um, And when I need my space on the weekends, I need it. Sometimes I I might have to work Saturday morning, but understand that if Friday was terrible and I don't have Saturday morning to give, I'm not giving it. (laughs) I'm just not going to do it. You know, we just got to have to have to figure that one out (laughs) because... You can't have more than I got to give. You just can't have it. But I think it's important to communicate that because I try my best. Um, Sometimes I I don't always get it right, but I do try my best to communicate with my supervisor about what I have and what I don't have, what makes me uncomfortable. You know, I make sure I try to do that. I try to do it the most professional way possible. I I do the best I can, you know, <laughs> things come out, but I do the yes. best I can. And then lastly, engage in some professional development. You know, we've mentioned that before. Again, we, we bring in mm-hmm. everything back, but right. Uh, right. engage in that again, try to better yourself. Take some of these new opportunities, mm-hmm. do stuff that maybe is 
of interest to you first, uh, but then do stuff maybe you're not as familiar mm-hmm. with just to see what else is out there. Right. One of the things that you gain from professional development is learning so much more about what your profession mm-hmm. entails, like the mm-hmm. whole field. One of the things that I think is just such a disservice to everybody, all of us, is that we don't realize how many jobs people can actually have, you know, because there's like a face associated with, with different right. fields, right? Like we, we laugh at like on movies when they portray mental health, right? You usually see a psychologist with somebody sitting on a couch couch and at the end of it they give them a prescription for medicine right but that's not the whole field of mental health or like entertainment right you you see the faces of the actors and athletes and uh singers you see the faces of those mm-hmm. people but you don't think about the people behind that you know the people who are behind the camera and the people who are managing the sports teams and things right. like that like we don't know all of the jobs that people can do but going through that professional development and engaging in conferences and things like that, you get to know different people with different roles and that can help you realize how to live out your purpose through the profession you're in. Absolutely. So those are all of the facets of self-care. Hopefully you learn something. Hopefully you get to see which facets you're doing really well at and some that you need to work on more. Share your thoughts with us. We want to know what you think about self-care. What do you think about the way people have been talking about self-care? Don't be afraid to share some um, examples of your own self-care successes or others that you know, or if it's some kind of client, just remain under confidentiality. Right. You can share a client story without breaking the confidentiality. Please don't bring male practice to our platform. We yes. don't want that. Uh- <laughs> But uh, it's okay to share stories, especially if you are integral in helping them improve that. We really want to know. And also, even if, especially if you're in um, a profession outside of the mental health care field, yes. uh, let yes. us know what kind of issues you have with self-care and, you know, how you practice self-care. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you guys next week. listening to the counseling clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at the counselingclinicpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the counseling clinic podcast. We'll see you guys next week for our next session. Bye guys. The music provided by scottholmesmusic.com and our show is edited and produced by Chris Luke.